0: Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live, and multiply, and go in, and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thy heart, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to fear him. I want to take a message for a message this morning, the subject in verse 1. And the subject is, that ye may live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you with this very manna you've given given us today. This word, Lord, that I pray will have the impact upon our hearts that it's intended to do. And Father, I pray that every single heart receives your word with faith and proceeds, Lord, the way that you direct them in their lives. I pray this, Lord, to be done for your glory as everything else in our life should be done for your glory and to your praise. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. When reading the Scripture, we find out a lot of the reasons behind what God does, what he does with his people especially. We see in, in these Scriptures here that he actually enumerates many reasons why he allows certain things to occur in your life. Well, the first thing that we have to realize is that, that the Lord has a plan, a plan for your entire life. And then within that plan, he has steps that each of us have to take. See, with Israel here, He talks about leading them through the wilderness to get them to the promised land. In other words, he showed them the steps to get there. And today I believe that the Lord will help us to see how we walk through a wilderness to get the promises of God as well. And even why we need to walk through the wilderness to get those. Jesus made a statement that He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Was he ever disobedient? No. But when he suffered, he did the right thing. Do we do the right thing when we suffer? When things are not going our way, are we doing the right thing? Well, that should help you to understand why God's got to let us suffer a little bit. So that we learn to go the right way When trials and troubles come. Let's read through this again. It says uh, in verse 2. Thou shalt remember all the way. Which the Lord thy God led thee. These 40 years in the wilderness. And he led them through the wilderness. To do a few things. To humble you. To prove you. To know what was in your heart. And whether you keep his commandments or not. Okay. To humble you. Now, why would the Lord allow the children of Israel to suffer but to humble them? What's it mean to humble us? Well, the problem with the human race is that we're full of pride. Pride is, is defined as self-dependence, uh, a seeking for self-pleasure, self-aggrandizement, Okay. We want to be somebody. We want to have something of our own. We want to obtain things outside of this plan that God has for us. But what the Lord does is from the moment we get saved to the moment we go to heaven, he starts leading us to his promises. And if he doesn't humble us, we cannot be led. Because without humility... You're just following your own path, a path of pride, a a path of self-dependence. So the Lord's got to do something. He's got to put you in positions where you have no way out on your own. Where you cannot obtain help from anybody else. You're stuck in a corner with no way to go. And even if you had a way, it wouldn't help you. He puts you in a place where you're completely helpless. And without him, you're completely hopeless. It's necessary. Why is it necessary? Because that is when we learn that we have to have Jesus. That we have to have God guiding our lives. That we must have Him in control. That by His power and His power alone, we learn to live. This is actually a story teaching us, as it says at the end, that we're not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's the lesson. Turning our walk of flesh into a walk in the Spirit. That's the lesson. And all of the trials and tribulations and the persecutions, the suffering that you experience, all of those things are supposed to lead you to the source of life, lead you to the power of God, lead you to the promises that he's given you. Every time you suffer, every time something good or bad happens in your life, for those that love Jesus, it always turns out good. The end result is good. So this, this humbling means simply that we stop depending on ourselves. We give up on our own plans. We seek the plans of God only. And we realize that we cannot carry out the plans of God by, by the power of God. So we seek his plan and we seek his power. Let me give you a good example of that. A lot of times in our lives, we need this change, and we need this change badly. We know our fault, but we're caught in it. We can't seem to overcome it. We've tried many things to get out of that bondage we find ourselves in. But we don't realize that we can't get out of it by doing anything. But we can get out of it by faith. What I'm saying is that the the Lord has righteousness and then you have your righteousness. Your righteousness is you trying your best to live for God and do what God wants. You got the right intentions, but you got the wrong means. When the Bible tells us that we are to hunger and thirst after righteousness, it means to hunger and thirst after His righteousness. When we become humble, we don't depend on our own righteousness anymore. We depend on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A proven righteousness. A man who lived and never failed God one time. Not in thought, not in feelings, not in deed. And that's where God wants to change us. We have to go through a wilderness to be changed. Israel had to walk in the wilderness 40 years to finally get to the promises God gave to him 40 prior years. So God's got a plan. So give up your plan. Find out what God's plan is. And once you got his plan, seek him for his power. We're to hunger and thirst after the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not my own righteousness, not my own abilities to live right, but his power to live right, his righteousness. So what what happens is you realize you can't change yourself. That's humility. When you've come to the place where you know you can't do what God wants you to do, you can't do right anymore. You keep making those bad decisions. You keep falling into the same trap. You keep failing the same way over and over and over again, but you don't want to anymore. When you don't want to anymore, you're on the right track. You're now seeking for God's righteousness. I don't want to do it anymore, Lord. Forgive me and deliver me. Now I need the deliverance. I know I'm wrong. I ask you for forgiveness. I believe you've forgiven me. But forgiveness is not enough for those who want the fullness of this life that God gives. Forgiveness is not enough. They want deliverance too. They want to be delivered from this. They want... To not fall into that bondage again. They don't want to make that mistake over and over again. So it tells us that we're to seek for the righteousness of God. Hunger and thirst after it. How do you know you got it? With that bondage that gripped you, gripped you in your mind. It gripped you in your soul, your feelings. And, of course, it resulted in the deeds done dirty. But when God gives you the righteousness, he gives you a different way to think about the exact same circumstances and situations. You start thinking differently. That causes you to feel differently. That causes you to do differently. When you think like him, you'll feel like him and you'll do like him. Yes, that is an amen. That's his righteousness imputed unto those who hunger and thirst after it. His righteousness that knows that the way is not through any fleshly means or any effort on our part. It comes from a heart that has been humbled by God and that has been put in an impossible situation. So the only thing that they could do is call upon the God who can do the impossible. Amen. And then God imputes to you a righteousness that is the same righteousness of His Son Jesus. In fact, it is His righteousness now living in you. That's living. That's living. That's what life really is. No longer me, but thee. Not only do we get in the plan of God, but we must have the power of God. We must hunger for the plan. We must hunger for the power. And God is willing to provide both. But only when we humble ourselves. So what's the second thing he said all these Trials and tribulations were to do. First to humble us, make us realize we can't do it. And God is the only one who can do it. There's no other means. And right now if you understand what I'm talking about and you put it in context of the New Testament, we are to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's the way. In other words, if I need righteousness, Jesus provides it through the blood he shed for me on the cross of Calvary. I know that's the only way to get it. In other words, when I believe in what he did at Calvary, his death became my death. Amen. And I stopped living for me and I stopped, lived, started living for thee. Hallelujah. So this humility brings us to a self-death. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You come to a rest, a peace where I don't have to try anymore. All i got to do is seek for God to give me the right thoughts, the right feelings, and the right deeds, and then I'll do them automatically. It's easy. It's a resting. It's easy and light, just as he says. Living for Jesus is the easiest thing in the world, but only when we've reached the point of humility. Why was Moses the only person God could talk to in in that whole group of over a million people walking through a desert? Because he was the only humble man there. Out of millions, he was the only humble person. He was a person that came to the end of self and found God in a burning bush. He was a person who, who left Egypt to pursue the plan of God but still could not realize the plan of God until 40 years later when God finally had him fully humbled. And when you're humble, then you can lead somebody else. When you're humble, then God can use you. Then you'll realize the promises God has for the plan he's given you. Only then. So what's the second thing? The second thing is to prove you. Huh? Well, to humble you first but then again we can do this we can do this to ourselves we are probably the worst judges of self each individual is the worst worst judge of themselves so we can start acting humble without being humble I've seen people do it. they, they, they lower their shoulders and they look pitiful in the face and they walk around slow like 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 I'm I'm not worthy of anything while in their heart they're going look how humble I am a statement of pride I'm so humble oh surely God will accept me for my humility I'm more humble than him. I'm more humble than them. That's called relative righteousness. You're you're comparing yourself to somebody else. Well, let's see. Compare yourself to Jesus and then tell me where you are. How can I tell? Jesus asked for help from his father. His father gave him help. You pray and pray and you don't get anything. You know it and I know it. That's the difference between Jesus and when we walk in the flesh. But if God can humble us, he also has to prove us. Prove us to him? Oh no, he already knows what you are. He already knows if that's true humility or not. You now have to be proven to yourself. Huh? He's got to put you through circumstances so that ugly self don't rise again. He's got to put you through circumstances so you know that you still are humble in the eyes of God. To prove you means to put you to the test. Jesus was put to the test before Satan. And he passed every one of them. And, and he, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks. Let me tell you about that. The Lord dealt that with, with me this morning. And I, this is the way he, he showed me. So I, I literally slept like 11 hours last night because I, I was feeling very ill. But that being very ill was a good time for me. What do you mean? Oh, it made me rest. In other words, I needed the rest, but I'm my personality self doesn't normally do what I actually need or actually should do. It does what it wants. But I I I had this dream this morning. We're in this setting in this church right here. And I walked in the door and We had chairs in weird order, some up here, uh, some over there. Those were turned sideways that way. Those were facing toward the wall. There was something playing on on the wall uh, from the the video. And there were all new people in here, except for you. There were a bunch of new people in here I'd never seen before. And they came in here, and everything was disorganized and I'm like what's going on here I can't minister in this atmosphere these people were facing them they were facing that way everyone was facing in a different way a different direction it was so unorganized and the Lord says what he's trying to do in this church is get this church on the same page as his spirit as the same page of his word As the same page of his plan. In other words, everyone going in different directions is not good. If Israel did that, they'd be scattered all over the wilderness. And most of them would have lost their lives to starvation or thirst or the enemy's sword. God can get somebody humbled. God can do a great work and lead many people into the promised land. God's trying to lead you into a promised land today. You know those gifts of the Spirit I'm speaking about all the time? He's trying to lead you to the gifts of the Spirit. They're in the promised land. But He's got to humble you first. Then He's got to prove to you that you're actually ready to go in. And what else does it say that we have to do? Nobody looks at their Bible. I said what else does he say we have to do after he proves us? Nobody says anything or looks to the Bible. Show us our own heart. Hmm. So those trials teach us something when he goes to prove us what do we actually do that will Prove whether you're humble or not. Okay? So the first thing is to humble you. The second thing is to test you to see if you're humble. And the third thing is to tell you why you're not if you are tested and fail. Huh? Why you're not if you're tested and fail. Do you know why people come into this church and then they leave? That's why. The Lord begins to deal with their hearts. He begins to tell them what needs to be changed. He, needs to te- he begins to tell them they need deliverance, but they don't want it. If they don't want it, they walk out. If they want it, they stay. They stay and walk through that wilderness to get the promises. They stay until all of the flesh is stripped away. They stay until the spirit is completely in control. The church needs strong leadership in these last days. And that leadership needs to be hearing directly from God. You remember the children of Israel when they camped around Camp Horeb, or Mount Horeb. Moses went up there. And God tells him, I'm going to speak to my people. They're going to hear my voice. And after he speaks to them, they fall down, they tremble, and they run to Moses and to, don't speak to us anymore in this manner. You just go get the word and bring it to us. Don't speak directly to us. It was a fearful thing. It was a traumatic experience. Why? Because they didn't have humble hearts. God tried them right there. He tested them. He proved that they were not humble. Because we should not be running away from the voice of God. We should be pursuing it with every fiber of our actual being. Self is that thing that stands in the way. And the blood of Jesus is that thing that frees you from self. God's ready to bring deliverance into your life. Ready to take you over the Jordan. Let you enjoy a land flowing with milk and honey. A land of promise. Every promise God has for you. But it must be done according to his word. It must be done according to his will. And it must be done according to his way. It cannot be done any other way. So he's got to help you to see why you failed the test. And where you actually stand Is it in pride or humility? He has to show you that. Why? Because nothing will ever change. You will not learn to obey through suffering. You will not learn it. If you run from the voice of God, you run from the chastening of the Lord, you will not ever learn it. Stay in that desert until God changes you. Stay there until He humbles you proves you, and shows you where you actually stand, not where you want to think you do. And when you find out where you actually stand, you'll stand aghast at first. And that will be the humbling experience that you need the most. I've dealt with people for decades and seen almost no change in them because that pride still holds them. They hear the word all the time, but change very, very little. Sometimes you can see some change in their actions, but not actually see a change in their hearts. The actions change a little bit, but the spirit of rebellion is still there. God cannot get us into the promised land until he stops our rebellion. There are not a lot of ways to God. There's only one. Find that one way. I, I love where uh, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. When he did that, Peter said, Lord, that, you, you're not going to wash my feet. He says, you'll have no part in me if I don't wash you. In other words, he's telling Peter, who's full of pride, you need washed. You need washed. He says, well, wash my head and wash my hands. If you're going to wash me, he says, Peter, because of his pride, you don't understand what you're talking about. If you get your walk right, the works you do, and the righteousness you have, That helmet of salvation will be secure. you got to get in the plan of God. He's got steps for you to take. Take those steps. Reject all others. Do we understand that God wants to guide every step we take? From the moment you leave this place today until we arrive here next Sunday, He's got a plan and steps to take through that plan. He's got a calling for your life. He has gifts with that calling that are not realized within the church because it won't humble itself. It won't go through a proving process and it won't admit what God exposes to be wrong in our lives. And if those things don't happen, nothing changes. Nothing will change in our lives. All the head bobbing and everything else means nothing until there's actually humility. Humility. We can agree all we want, but not actually possess it. But God wants us now to possess those promises. See, the difference between you and the nation of Israel in that time is that they walked through a wilderness until they were ready to receive the promises And it was a long process. But through that long process, they had steps to take. You do too. And you may say that we're not going through no wilderness where finally we get to get our house and stuff like that. No, you are. You are. It's daily. Things occur in your life. There's circumstances, situations that occur on a daily basis that are meant to happen to prove that you're handling it by the power of God or in self-righteousness. There's circumstances every day. I've actually seen it in how one person will answer another person. How they can talk back and forth whether they are edifying one another or they are distracting one another from the Spirit of God, whether they're walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh, it's not that hard to see, folks. Well, it's not hard to see for those who agree with the Spirit. And I will say no church has everybody in the entire church agreeing with the Spirit. The difficult thing for a preacher to handle is those who should be and aren't. Who've been there long enough, has seen enough to know. You know what? Those are the ones who will see a greater suffering. Or a suffering that won't stop. It'll continue on. Let, let me show you why I'm talking about that. The Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, right? We may find some contentment at some points in our lives, but nobody really knows peace until they know Jesus. And nobody really experiences that peace until they start pursuing his way only. But when you finally find your way into the presence of God by faith in the blood of Jesus, you'll find that there's no peace that matches that kind of peace. When you experience that kind of peace, all the other kind of peace that you had in your life before, we'll call them pieces, they don't compare which would make you hunger more and more for the peace of God, right? But you know what? If people have never experienced the true peace of God by entering into the presence of God by faith in the blood of Jesus, then they settle for the other kinds of peace presented to you by the world. I mean, honestly, if you could be one of two places today, would it be on a beach in Hawaii, out, out, laying out in the sun, with an umbrella over you and an umbrella in your drink? Non alcoholic one. Would you rather do that or would you rather be here? That question is asked of a lot of people and has been asked down through the ages. Would you rather be here or somewhere else doing something else? Something that brings you personal pleasure. Do you want personal pleasure or do you want a piece of God? We make choices all the time. But we make them out of pride or we make them out of humility. Humility. We make choices all the time and God's going to prove to us if it's pride or humility. And God's going to then tell us what's wrong in our heart so we understand what needs to change. And then, and then with humility, we can get our our knees before God and say, Lord, I'm not getting up to change me. I'm not getting up to that blood of your son flows through me. I'm not giving up until your heart is in my heart. And I'm living for you and you only. I'm living to do your will and your will only. Don't be upset when those trials and tribulations come. Use them to find out where you stand with God. Use them as a time of repentance, a time of refreshing. Use them as an opportunity they become more and more and more like Jesus. Bow your heads and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. This altar call is given, Lord. For those who want to be serious. For those who want to give up their own plans. So that your plans can be fulfilled in our lives. Those who want you more than they want anything else. It's an opportunity to come to you and ask for it, Lord. Knowing that what will follow is a testing period. And your spirit will open up to us and tell us whether or not we're truly humble as we need to be. That we're truly faithful as we think we are. And truly exposed to us, Lord. What our heart really is. It's truly expose it. So we can run to the cross. That it may be changed. Lord it's time to be changed. It's time to get the church organized. Into the callings. Of the church. The church. Into the will or the plan of God. For it corporately. And individually. It's time. These messages are leading us down that road. Now, Lord, do what needs to be done to get us where we need to be, and I pray that in the name of Jesus. The altar's open for you to pray.